Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's good to be in the back in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Now, this is a special service. And we've got a special guest uh, this evening, and I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. Um, but we're just going to op- we're opening up for this service, and we are going to continue live streaming Wednesday nights. I'm still feeling my way through that. We've had some discussions in the board meeting on Monday night, but there's just a lot of factors that go into all of that. So I, I hope you are okay with that and you feel patient, just trying to be patient and take the right steps at the right time, okay? And, and we want to do what's right by the Lord, take hold of our, our rights and our liberties and all that, but we want to be good citizens in our community as well and, and protect those that come. So uh, we're going to continue live streaming after tonight for a while. I'll try to get a solid time frame for you. Uh, we will for sure reopen one more time on a Wednesday night, July 15th. Brother Mike East is going to be here, and uh, so definitely be here for that. He's excited to come back, hadn't been back for a while. So uh, it is wonderful to see Brother Zenobia, my great friend Brother Zenobia in the house tonight, <laughs> Brother Frank Sr., and also Brother Zenobia. It's great to see him back in the house tonight, Brother Anthony. So. Thank you for being with us, and it's really great to see Brother Zenobia, <laughs> and Sister Kristen Zenobia is with us tonight, too. Uh, Sam has been good friends. We've been friends the whole family. We've known each other a long time, and, and, uh, and I love Sam and his family dearly, and uh, Lord moved on my heart recently. Uh, he, had, he had just mentioned that prior to COVID, we're connected on Facebook, and so I knew that they were aimers. They're in the AIM missionary program. They were supposed to be heading to Spain, and uh, of course, COVID happened and Spain wasn't looking too good. And I'm sure they shut the, all that down with all the other international travel. And they were stranded. And they had sold possessions and all kinds of things to become dedicated aimers. And I can imagine that was very stressful. And so uh, they came here in preparation for when they finally get to leave. God really moved on my heart uh, to open this up to Sam and uh, give him an opportunity to minister to us, but to talk to us about his, his mission and, uh, and to partner with him. So um, I just wanted to give him this evening the opportunity to share with us. And, and they're going to go, how long are you going to be gone, buddy? At least a year. So they're going to live on another continent for a whole year away from all family in the United States, which you might feel good about leaving at the moment. I don't know why, but can I go with you? So, no, I'm, I got to stay here. So anyway, uh, why don't we stand up tonight? I, wanna, I don't want to take any more time. I want Brother Zenobi to come and have his liberty to share the word with us tonight and, and just enjoy his ministry. Love you, buddy. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we give a hand clap of praise to Jesus Christ? He's the one who made the ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us. And he's the one who deserves the praise and the glory and the honor. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We praise you in this place, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I was doing pretty good till that last song. I got to be a little bit of a mess. And so I'm going to try and compose myself. It was a wonderful move of the spirit just a wonderful presence of the lord is here and uh, that's a good thing that's that's a good thing 
And uh, we are so honored to be here. You may all be seated. I won't keep you uh, standing any longer. Um, we're so honored to be here. There's a special service on top of it. And uh, thank you, Pastor Cordell. And please give my regards to Sister Cordell and um, Pastor and Sister Kylie. So good to be with you again. So good to see you. Um, we obviously have lived in D.C. for a long time now. And uh, even before that, I haven't lived at home in such a long time. So I haven't, this has not been my church home in a long time. And, uh, but every time I come, I'm welcomed kindly. My family is welcomed kindly. We're given love. We're given such warmth and kind reception by all of you who some of, some of you we've known for a long time and others, we don't know that well. But I just want to thank you, Pastor. Thank this church. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, it's just an honor for me and my wife to be here. My wife Kristen's going to come in a little bit um, and uh, share a little bit of uh, a word that's on her heart. And our two sons, if they run through the aisles, just tackle them. They're used to full contact sports. Just take them down. You know where we're sitting. Just don't, they won't think twice about it. Amen. But uh, I'm also glad to have my dad and my brother here uh, with us tonight. You know, my parents should win like a uh, Nobel Peace Prize for having our two boys in their house for the last three months, terrorizing their house, running. All the China's up top now. All the good stuff's put away. But it took a little while. Um, so, but they've been kind to us. We don't, we don't have a house we don't have any kind of anything except some clothes and uh, some sentimental items. And so if it wasn't for them, you know, it would have been very financially difficult for us to live the last three months. And where would we have gone? So uh, I love them. Love you, Dad. And uh, I don't know if this is on, but love Mom if she's watching. Um, and appreciate them so much. Uh, instead of me just talking through it, I know we have a video. Is that video available? to show, this is just going to kind of share in like a four-minute snippet our kind of our burden and the call and how the call came to us. So if you you would just enjoy this for a few minutes. Nine years ago, we came to Washington, D.C. independently to pursue our respective careers. Somewhere along the way, we met, married, and built a family. Our two boys, Beniah and Xander, provide an endless supply of joy and excitement to our lives. I came to DC because I wanted to change the world. I wanted to use my scientific training to inform policy and decision makers at the highest levels of government. After completing my PhD in nuclear engineering, I landed what I thought was my dream job, working for the US Navy. My support to the US Navy took me to multiple continents and multiple countries, and I even got to fly on and off aircraft carriers in my support to the sailors and soldiers abroad. While walking the busy streets of Barcelona, I wasn't even aware that I was lost. I was studying Spanish in Europe, taking in all the best the world had to offer, filling my empty soul with alcohol and other worldly things. I fell in love with Spain and its people. 
Since my college years, I found it impossible to turn away opportunities to develop my Spanish language and to learn more about the Spanish culture. I studied my, for my master's degree on the Texas-Mexico border, and then I moved to the Dominican Republic in order to use my degree there in education. My passion for Spanish brought me to Washington, D.C. to work in an English-Spanish public charter school. Thanks to our pastors, Jerry and Linda Staten, I found much more than a job in Washington, D.C. I found the truth. I was baptized in the powerful name of Jesus, and during a missionary service, I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like in Acts 10, as the preacher yet spake the word. Every missionary service from that point on, I found myself weeping for the lost souls that were around the world as the missionaries shared their stories from around the world. Pastor Staten possesses a contagious evangelistic spirit which birthed in us a desire for evangelism and for ministry. In 2017 at the UPCI General Conference, I felt God call me to lay down my secular career for ministry. It was the singular most gut-wrenching prayer I had ever prayed. I thought, God, you want me to lay down everything I have worked for to pursue this? Well, the answer came back, yes. Not knowing how, not knowing when, we began to take steps to prepare ourselves for God's calling on our lives. It's not your calling, it's His calling. Be pliable in God's hands. These words were spoken over us at the 2018 UPCI General Conference Global Mission Service, and they still echo in our hearts today. That night, God laid a burden on us for foreign missions. I have a strong desire to seek and save that which is lost, just like I was. For the past seven years, we've been working under Pastor Staten in a multicultural metro environment, developing small groups, Bible studies, and training leaders. I've seen many souls receive revelation of Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation for their lives through small groups and Bible studies. In May of 2019, God opened the door for us to travel and to visit Barcelona, Spain. This time, as I walked the streets, I felt heavy and burdened. I remembered what it was like to live lost, seeking to fill my empty soul with the things of the world. That trip served to confirm our burden for the people of Spain. We're now raising a budget for a one-year AIM tour in Spain, working under missionaries Nathan and Tanya Herod. Our goal is to be on site in Spain by February of 2020. We're ready to go. We can't do it without you. Will you help us take this first step of faith? Amen. Praise God. Uh, obviously, the timeline is off a little bit from that video. February 2020 seems like a long time ago. But um, before, before I uh, kind of go into the last bit of, of our presentation, I want my wife to come, if she could, and just share her heart and her burden and uh, testify a little bit. She's going to sing a special. No, I'm just kidding. I always tease her about that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Abundant Life Church. What an awesome service Pentecost Sunday was. That was our first service back from after how long of quarantine? I don't know how it feels like it was three months. I guess it may have not have been exactly three months, but 
what an awesome service this was on Pentecost Sunday. The presence of the Lord was here, and there is no better place to be than in the house of the Lord. You cannot find the presence. You cannot find this anywhere, and this is just the best place. I'd rather be nowhere else tonight on a Wednesday night, and I remember hearing, is it Brother Rich, your testimony uh, on Pentecost Sunday, your, your testimony of healing really um, just... It really touched me, and it actually, um, I was so amazed at how bold your faith was when you were diagnosed with um, what the doctors, was it cancer? It was, I don't know the specific type, or, but um, when you were diagnosed, you were so bold, your response was, well, I know the great physician, and he's going to heal me. You didn't stop and think about it and let the enemy put other thoughts into your mind. You Both times, I, I, that stuck with me, how quickly you were like, well, I know the great physician, and I know he's going to heal me. And thank the Lord you were healed. I, I am so grateful for that and for that testimony because your faith was strong. And the truth is, um, I've been in a, a similar situation where I got a diagnosis and, and I, my, I was not that bold, as bold as Brother Rich was. Um, I did receive a diagnosis of an incurable disease when Sam and I were newlyweds. And it was unexpected. And... I asked when the doctor said that's what it was. I said, no, that's not what it is. What else could it be? And um, she said, no. She said, I don't know what else it would be. She said, um, I'm going to take some tests, and I'm going to start you on this medication. You should start it right away. And I said, how long should I take this for? And she said, well, most people take it the rest of their lives. And I felt very defeated. I wish I would have said, well, I know the great physician at that point. But at that point, I felt very heavy, and I felt very defeated. Um, and I... I just went through it in my mind, and I had thoughts of, well, maybe I deserve to be sick, and maybe I can just learn to live with this, and this was on the way home, um, and I got home before Sam got home from work, and I basically fell down on the living room floor and just curled myself up and, and wept, and I had called Sam, and I said, Sam, I've got some bad news, and he came home from work early, and um, when he got home from work that day, I was not in a good place. Um, but when I told him the diagnosis, he looked at me, he said, you don't have that. He said, we're going to pray and you're going to be healed. And that just hearing that from Sam's mouth, hearing his faith, it built up my faith because I think the truth is, is when you get an attack, when you get a, a diagnosis like that, it's not just an attack on your health. It's an attack on your faith. And we need to be aware of how important it is to keep the faith in those situations because that can really determine the outcome. Because looking back, I can say how easily I could have just accepted that and went along with my life, but Sam did not accept it. And he said, we're going to pray. And so that Saturday we went to church and I had the church pray for me. Even though I was in pain and I was suffering and I was taking this medicine, we got the prayer at church and that prayer was so powerful. I left feeling so encouraged. I left feeling healed. I said, I think I'm healed. And that night when we laid down in bed to go to sleep, the pain came back stronger than it ever was before. And I remember that stood out about Rich's testimony too because he had some positive um, you know, moments of faith and then he talked about how the, strain came, the pain came back stronger than it ever had before. And I said, that's just like that devil. He's got a bunch of old tricks. And, um, and I said, that's exactly how it was with me. I, got, I was encouraged. I had some good prayer. And then that pain came back stronger than ever. And I felt just again defeated like well maybe I just better learn to live with this and I remember just laying in bed crying myself to sleep and Sam just prayed while I while I cried myself to sleep Sam prayed and I remember him saying Satan you're a liar 
And I'm so grateful that God has given me a husband that when I'm down here, he lifts me up. And that's what we need each other for as a church. We need each other because all of us, sometimes as a whole family, we can be down here. We need to come into the presence of God and lift each other up. We need sometimes, some, we can't pray for ourselves, and so we need to come into church and have somebody else pray for us. We need to come into church and have somebody else say, no, you don't have that. Jesus is able. He is greater than that. And so I'm just so grateful for the church, and I'm grateful for a husband that has the faith that he has. Um, we need each other as a church. And so that Monday we had agreed, I had promised to help our church. We were moving into a new building. Even though I wasn't feeling that great, I went and helped move us to a new building. And it was a holiday, and I remember it because I got a call from the doctor on a holiday, a Monday holiday, and I thought it was out. I got a voicemail. When we came back in from moving everything, we came back to the car, and I had a voice message from my doctor. And she said, Kristen, I just wanted to let you know that we got the test results back. And she said, they were completely clear. You do not have that disease. She said, I am so sorry that I did that to you. You can stop taking that medication. And she was extremely apologetic. And Sam and I just embraced and we just praised the Lord and thanked him. He is so awesome. Jesus has the final say. It doesn't matter how you feel in your body. Jesus has the final say. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. Jesus has the final say. When our health is attacked, we cannot let it kill us spiritually because they can take away the stuff. They can take away our health, but no one can take your faith away unless you allow them to take your faith away. Our faith is the most valuable thing that we possess. Job, we know, experienced many attacks from the enemy. He lost his property. He lost his children, but he continued to bless the name of the Lord. Then, when his, his health was attacked, in chapter 3, he started asking, saying things like, why did I not die at birth? And so it's hard when you feel it in your body, when you're feeling these symptoms and you're, you're physically attacked. Job's, not, it, wasn't, it wasn't just his health that was under attack. It wasn't just his family and his things that were under attack. It was his faith because the devil knows that's the most valuable thing that we possess. And so Job's faith was under attack. But at the same time, we need to see those things, those trials as an opportunity for God to be glorified. When we get a bad diagnosis, we need to look at it as an opportunity for our faith to be strengthened, to allow God to do things that no one else can do, to allow God to do things that no doctor can do, to allow God to do things that no medicine can do. And that was so amazing about Rich's testimony, how your son gave you a word from the Lord saying, God wants to bring you to new dimensions in him before you got the diagnosis. How awesome is that? that. What an amazing testimony. And I know God has brought rich to new dimensions in him. I have my testimony to share that no matter what the doctor said, I can stand on the word of the Lord. It is true. And then in Job 42.5, Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. That those trials brought Job to new dimensions in the Lord. They brought Job closer to God. Trials can be used to draw us closer to God, to know him more, and to see him in new ways. Trials can strengthen our faith if we allow them to. And the most valuable thing that we possess is faith in Jesus Christ. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. And I just thank you again so much, Abundant Life. I honor Pastor and Sister Kylie. Thank you so much for having us here. It is such an honor and a blessing. Pastor Cordell and your wife, God bless you. Thank you for having us here. Now let's hear from the Lord. <laughs> Good job, baby.
Amen. Amen. You'll, you'll realize she's a better preacher than I am pretty shortly. But I still let her go first. I don't know why. I, don't. I love my wife. She is a woman of faith. And there's many times I have been low and she has picked me up. And so I thank her for that. Um, just a quick note. You've kind of heard us present about our burden for Spain. Um, if you feel the Lord is leading you to support us, in prayer um, or in finances. We have a table out there with support cards. You can put our faces, our mugs on the fridge and pray for us. Um, we also have partner and missions forms. And we also have just a sign-up sheet. If you just want to see what we're doing in Spain and want to track what we're doing, we'd love to send you our monthly updates. And you can just give us your email and your name, and we'll be sure to add you to our list. Amen? Amen. Is it all right if we go to the word of the Lord? Amen. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Psalms 113, verses 5 through 9. Amen. If it's your custom to stand for the reading of the word, it's just a, a short uh, text. Uh, I'm going to be reading a slightly different translation. It's the New Living Translation in Psalms 113, verses 5 through 9. It says this, Who can be compared with the Lord, our God, who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise God the Lord. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd just lift a hand, though, and pray with me right now that God would have his way, I believe God's going to do some miraculous things tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I come to you, Lord, as your humble servant. I ask you, Father, to bless your word, to bless your, the service, to bless the people. God, I ask you, Jesus, let there be healings and deliverances and miracles done in these people's lives tonight. Let the word be powerful tonight, Lord. Anoint my lips that I could speak what you've given me to say, Lord, and bless your word, I pray. We glorify your name. We exalt you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just clap your hands of the Lord one more time? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. On October 19th, 1781, the sword of British General Cornwallis was surrendered to American and French commanders, ending the Battle of Yorktown and the Revolutionary War. Legend says that the British and Hessian soldiers piped the ballad, The World Turned Upside Down, during the surrender. It expressed their utter astonishment that this little fledgling republic had bested the full might of a global empire. A ragtag group of American revolutionaries prevailed against the perfectly trained British redcoats. They were the best army in the world. Some reject the playing of this song as historical fact. And they claim it is just legend. About as truthful as George Washington chopping down the cherry tree. 
Now, I don't know if they actually played that song, but they should have. America's victory was impossible. Even in that day, many marked the winning of America's independence as the providence of God because only God had the power to do something so monumental. Only he could have made somebody so weak able to overcome somebody so strong. And I want to tell us tonight that God is in the business of turning the world upside down. He is in the business of making the weak strong and the poor rich and exalting the humble. Amen. I'm going to be excited up here. Is that all right? Is it okay? I know it's Wednesday. I'm sorry. I heard the gunshot go off, you know, after you do the prayer thing and, the, you know, I did everything but the cross. I'm not going to do that here, right? But it's like, that's the gunshot. You got to go. Amen. Churches stand eager to proclaim the truth as long as its application remains limited to evangelism. In Acts, we read that these that have turned the world upside down, talking about the apostles and the gospel, are come hither also. And we shout about this, and we should. And we readily embrace our mandate to do the same, and we should. But what about God's ability to visit our hospital bed, to visit our living room, to visit our finances, and to turn our world upside down? Scripture says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. We are his possession. We are owned by him. I am his and he is mine. He cares about us. He cares about our needs. He cares about our hurts. He cares about our troubles and our trials. We need a mindset change. We need a mindset change in the church. We need to believe that God wants to raise us up and to raise our children up and to raise our grandchildren up. Listen, I'm not preaching that we're going to be rich and never have any problems and never get sick. I'm actually preaching the exact opposite. That in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our sicknesses, in spite of our frailties, that God is able to lift us. People have a lot of disadvantages in life. But God is able to lift us. That's the title of my message tonight. Lift. Lift. Very simple. Our betterment as people and families is a byproduct of knowing Jesus through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is a known and documented phenomenon, and theologians have a fancy term for it. They call it salvific lift. It just means God picks his people up. Didn't David say, he took me out of the miry clay, he took me out of a horrible pit, and he set my feet on solid ground? That's what lift is. That's what I'm talking about tonight. I want to draw on three authoritative sources to connect the infilling and the pursuit of the Spirit with the betterment of individuals and communities in their own and subsequent generations. This, I'm going to draw on the Bible, of course, and an outsider. I'll share who that outsider is in a minute. 
and NASA. I thought those three naturally went together. Amen. No, they don't. But anyways, like all Psalms, the purpose of our text is to bring glory to God. It does this by showing the greatness of God in his concern for the poor and the needy and the barren, or women who cannot give birth. God's exalted state enhances his condescension. In other words, the fact he is so high makes it all the more remarkable that he comes down to our level. The verse says he stoops to see heaven. I mean, he is so set apart and so holy and so awesome that he's got to bend down to see heaven. Now, that's a big God. That's an awesome dude I want on my side. I don't mean disrespect, but that is my God. He cares enough to stoop past heaven and stoop all the way to the gutter where we may be. That's where he found me when I was lost. That's where he found me when I was drinking myself into oblivion in Michigan and in Wisconsin. I did it in two states. The Old Testament reveals the terrible conditions of the poor. They lived in the dust, literally in the garbage dump. They were vulnerable to exploitation and oppression. Man, I wish the world would read the Bible. They were vulnerable to exploitation and oppression by the rich and the powerful. And the barren fared no better. It was considered a curse from God and a social disgrace. Today we rightly will empathize with women who cannot have children. But in ancient Israel the best way to earn notoriety or reputation or to express yourself if you were a woman was to have children. Especially boys. A woman who failed to produce offspring suffered severe loss of social status and risked rejection by her own husband and his family. And often, to top it all off, she was suspected of indecent behavior because of her own barrenness. Psalms 113 is a celebration of God's ability to intervene on behalf of those who are the lowest of the low. Who are the bottom rung of society. They are the marginalized ones. They are the castaways. They're the leftovers. They're the no goods. But God is saying, I care about those people. I love those people. I want to reach for those people. Don't tell me the world doesn't need this gospel. They're searching for it everywhere else, but in the one place they can find the solution. Jesus was the first social warrior. He came, he died for everyone to lift us out of our pit and our destruction. Now I'm asking you, don't write this off today if you don't fit into one of these categories. Maybe you're not poor. Maybe you're not barren, right? If you don't identify with that circumstances, don't write, don't write it off. But maybe some of you were poor. Maybe some of the ladies in here were barren. Maybe some of you can identify with being lifted out of these situations that you found yourself in. There's a lady at Living Hope DC, Sister Yaki. She used to be homeless. She was homeless. 
I don't know what happened with her husband. I've never heard that part of the story. Or even if it was her husband. But she was homeless with kids. But now she's teaching Sunday school at Living Hope D.C., she taught my two children Sunday school. She's a prayer warrior. Pastor Staten's building a whole prayer team around this woman. How did that happen? Did she have a financial, five-point financial plan to get out of poverty? No, she just followed after Jesus Christ. She just pursued hard after him. She just got in church and she prayed and the Spirit of God lifted her. I want to share now this thing, this outsider's perspective. But before I do, I, I want to just make one thing clear. I'm not interested in the particulars of what's keeping us down. I don't need to know. Pastor Staten always would say, I don't want to know. What I'm interested in telling us about is the one who can lift us out of what we're in. That's who we need to focus on. Regardless of where we find ourselves, we must understand the lifting process never stops. God's never done lifting you. He's never done taking you to new dimensions and new places and new areas in God and new depths in God where you've never been. I was taking a uh, history of theology course. And uh, it was like a 36 lecture course. And um, I want to share the perspective of this outsider who taught this, this course. It was online or uh, on Audible. And so I took it. And uh, this is like lecture 28, right? And so I've been, gone through this, all of this thing. And then he starts to talk about Pentecostalism. And I want to share what he says about us crazy people. Are you all crazy like me? Amen. Good. That's good. We are crazy. We're crazy for Jesus. We're crazy for what he did for us. We're crazy for him because we were lost and now we're found. It's okay to be crazy about Jesus. His name is Professor Philip Carey. He is the director of philosophy, Harumph. Uh, program at Eastern University in Pennsylvania. He carries PhDs in philosophy and religious studies. He has taught at Yale, Villanova, and other universities. He's really smart. Okay? For context, this, this is an excerpt from his lecture about the experience of being baptized with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues. Now, I quote Professor Carey. So, it seems to be that this Pentecostal experience may indeed go back to the early church. Okay, this is me. No kidding. Thank you. That's like lesson, what, eight in search for truth or whatever. Okay, we know, but okay, let's give them that. Starting again, the Pentecostals call it the apostolic faith. Because they think it happened in these early churches. The church of the Apostle Paul. Um, maybe it's not miraculous, but it's certainly a powerful experience. And here's something I want to say uh, about this for all us non-Pentecostals who may be sort of wondering, what's going on here? Are these people crazy? 
Well, no. But we already decided we were, so it's okay. This is a direct quote. Pentecostalism is the largest, fastest growing form of global Christianity today. This isn't, this isn't Wikipedia, folks. This is a foremost scholar in our universities. Pentecostalism has spread like wildfire. It is the fastest set of growing churches in Latin America, very influential in Africa. And in these countries, Latin America and Africa, the Pentecostal churches are the church of the poor. The poor people love this experience. It's a sort of evidence that God is with them even in their poverty. Listen what he goes on to say. It's tied to a very puritanical lifestyle. He's talking about holiness. Pentecostals stop smoking. Amen. They stop drinking. Hallelujah. Listen to this one. The men stop beating their wives and running around. You get stable families among the poor, among the destitute, so that the children of the destitute end up becoming respectably poor and maybe even lower middle class. And their children end up maybe going to college. Direct quote, the Pentecostals are the church of the poor. And in the second and third generation, the poor are no longer poor because of Pentecostalism. That, I think, is a very powerful witness to, well, maybe the Holy Spirit is working among the Pentecostals. I think we ought to give Jesus a big hand clap. I think we ought to thank him for the Holy Spirit that he has given to us, that has lifted us out of where we were. This is a guy that doesn't know a lick about Pentecost. He is not, he is like Episcopalian or maybe Anglican. And he's talking, he talked this way about nothing else. The entire 18-hour course, nothing else did he talk about like this. But did you catch what he said? He is attributing the lifting of whole societies out of poverty because of Pentecostalism. Because of what you and I know is Jesus Christ living inside of us through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need to hear this. He's validating what we already know, that the Holy Ghost transforms lives. And he's validating what the world needs to know that only the Holy Ghost can change entire societies and entire nations. The solution isn't social programs. The solution isn't politics. The solution isn't humanitarian aid. Listen, I'm for all that stuff, okay? But the solution is simple. It's Jesus. He is the solution. There was a, a minister from northern Nigeria who was at Oxford, and he came from a region of Nigeria which had been terrorized by the terrorist group Boko Haram. You guys heard of that before? Maybe in the news? It's, uh, they kill Christians. They kill a lot of people, but they kill Christians. 
and he had seen firsthand his Christians, brothers and sisters, being murdered by the Boko Haram terrorist group. And this is what this man said when he addressed the class at Oxford before he departed to go back to his nation and win Muslims. He said, I beg you, do not compromise here in the West on the faith that we are dying for in Africa. If we need our world to be turned upside down, then we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be full of Jesus. The world needs to see that He is the answer. And there's nobody else, folks, but you and me. We're the answer. We carry the living God inside of us. And the world needs to see it. Praise God. And the last part, I'm about, I'm about there almost, okay? So you have hope. I want to I kind of switch to talking about how we can experience lift tonight. Right? I didn't come here to, I mean, I'm here to minister. I want the Holy Ghost to move. I want God to do something. I want Jesus to touch each and every one of us tonight. I want us to have an experience with our maker that leaves us better when we walk out those doors. So how, how do we do this? What is this thing? Lift. How do I experience it? I don't claim to understand the psychology of what God is doing. I really don't. But I think there is a physical parable about the force of lift that might help us understand. All right, and I have a slide. If the folks that have been so great with the AV up there would help me show it. Thank you. According to NASA... Lift is the force that directly opposes the weight of an airplane and holds the airplane in the year in the air. Amen. What is the weight keeping us down? Is it depression? Is it fear? Is it poverty? Is it sickness? Is it sin? Is it addiction? What is the weight that is keeping us down? Either way, the weight is sin. Not sins, but sin. All of the turmoil, all the trouble we see comes from the fall. Now, you heard what this man said just a few minutes ago. He said, holiness brings stability. Did you catch that linkage? When they become holy, they stop doing all these things and the families become stable. See, holiness is a stabilizing force. The righteousness of God in your home will ground you and root you and stabilize you. But sin is destabilizing. And it will put your home in turmoil. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so, does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, perhaps we don't even know what's keeping us down. You ever heard of family cycles? Cycles and cycles and cycles and the saint, you know, the dad did it and now the son's doing it and the grandson's going to do it. If they don't get Jesus, we don't even know what keeps us down sometimes. We've all felt those glass ceilings and we're like, why can I not break through? But the news I've got for you tonight is you don't need to know. Jesus knows, 
and he does not care what the weight is. When you get on a plane, you can put a suitcase in, you can put a person in, you can put an 800-pound gorilla in. It doesn't matter. That plane is going to lift, and it is going to take that stuff right into the sky. Jesus knows what it is. He knows even what we don't know. And he will lift you up out of those clouds, out of that dark place, and he will take you in the spirit where you need to go. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God, we can come to Jesus and he can lift us because he cares for us. He welcomes us. The second thing I want to say, no fluid, no lift. My second point on this is no fluid, no lift. For lift to be generated, that force that lifts it, it, the solid body, the airplane, must be in contact with the fluid. No fluid. Now, this isn't me. This is NASA, okay? We're going to trust them on this one. No fluid, no lift. So I'm going to, a crash course in physics, okay? Airplanes fly in the air. Amen. Praise God. Is that too deep? Air is actually a fluid. It's not like gasoline or syrup or water, but it is still a fluid. We don't think of that. But air is a fluid. Now what do we call air that's in motion wind if you look at the bible i'm just saying in the original languages in the old and the new testament the word for spirit is the same word for wind or breath if we want to be lifted a person must be in contact with the spirit with the wind the breath of god no spirit No lift. Like an airplane needs to be immersed in the air, we need to be immersed in the spirit of the living God. Galatians 5, 16 and 25, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. It's not a one-time thing. I thank God for the day I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, but I thank God for every day after that, that I'm baptized all over again. We never stop coming. We never stop getting filled. We never stop seeking his presence. The more you find yourself in the presence of God, the more you will experience lift. God bless you all for being here on a Wednesday night. You're all being lifted because you are in the presence of Almighty God right now. We don't even know what he's doing, but he's lifting us. He's touching us. He's working. He's working. He's working. The last thing I want to say, my last point, and then we'll close and we'll pray together. And God's going to do wonderful things. Amen? No motion, no lift. There must be motion between the object and the fluid. Without that motion, no lift is generated. Airplanes have these huge engines because they must generate thrust to get moving and off the ground. And if a plane's engine goes out, 
Well, that's it. Momentum eventually dies and that plane, that lifting force will decrease until that plane falls out of the air. So what I'm saying to you, brother and sister, Christians, is that we must keep moving forward in the Spirit. We cannot stop. We cannot stop coming to church. We can't stop going to Bible study. We can't stop doing small groups. We can't stop praying. We can't stop fasting. Because when we stop, we fall. Keep moving. Keep moving. And God will lift you. Don't be frustrated. I know the transformation is taking longer than you expected. I know the healing hasn't come yet. I know the answer hasn't come yet. But keep moving. And God will come through. God will lift you out. God will take you out. God will deliver you. Somebody needs to believe it right now. Somebody needs to receive it into your soul. I am talking to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God is so good, isn't he? God is so good. I know God's touching some people right now. I believe that. A witness of the Spirit is here right now. If we could all stand, please. Drag. Drag is a force that opposes thrust. Drag will slow us down. There are drag forces in our life that try to stop us and prolong and disrupt and hinder what God is trying to do. They try to keep you from moving forward. I think the biggest drag forces are doubt and a lack of imagination. We just can't see how God could do it, so we don't think he's going to do anything. But God's got a really good imagination. If you haven't stepped outside lately and seen nature, he's got a pretty good imagination. You might not know how he's going to do it, but I assure you God's got an answer for whatever you're going through. Don't doubt. Don't let your imagination limit what God can do in your situation. Psalm 78 and 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Let's not limit God because we can't see a way out. Let's just say, hey, Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I have no idea how you're going to handle this right now, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. We're going to pray. I know that this altar is open. And if you feel comfortable with everything going on to come to the altar, pastor says it's all right to come to the altar and pray. If you don't, listen, the Holy Ghost can touch you back there. It can touch you over there. It can touch you right here. Jesus does not have to observe social distancing. Amen. He's close to you right now. He's near you right now. He can touch you where you are. Whatever you feel comfortable with, I want you to step out in faith and do what you feel comfortable with right now. It's okay to observe a distance. That's not a lack of faith. That's wisdom. 
Now it is impossible as people are coming. It's impossible in a sense for us to, you know, for me to pray with each of you. It would take a long time. So what we're going to have to do is get a hold of God where we are right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer of faith in a moment. But before I do, I want you to put into your mind, what is that thing that you need God's help to lift you out of? What is that thing? What is that sickness? What is that situation? What is the the affliction of your mind or the affliction of your heart that is troubling you? Is it fear? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to bind every spirit that would hinder the lift of God. And then I want you to begin to thank God for it. I want you to begin to shout. I want you to begin to praise God. I want you to confess in faith that God has done it. When you thank God for something, it is a confession of faith that you believe He will do it. So after we pray, we are going to confess faith. And we are going to trust God to do what he wants to do tonight. Are you all with me? Amen. Let's lift our hands right now. We're going to pray. And then when I finish praying, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor fairly soon, Pastor Cordell. But when I finish praying, I want us all just to, however you want to praise and thank God. You can run around this place. You can shout or you can just weep before the Lord. But whatever you do, just give him thanks. Lord Jesus, I thank you right now for the word of God that has been delivered. I thank you right now, Lord, that your spirit is here. There is a witness of the Holy Ghost here. I thank you, Lord, that you are... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.